Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It is week five of the North American LCS. We are at the halfway point of both the North American season and our Guest Alliance regular season challenge, and we have three teams that I won't say we're excited to talk about all three teams, but we are talking about them. And of course, when I say we, I am referring to my co-host and writer for Slingshot Esports and good friend, of course, Walter C80 Svechuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I mean, you could talk about one of them, but I'm not touching them. <laughs> I I got nothing to say about one of these teams. We're going to have one segment here that's just silent for like 10 minutes, and it's going to be great. Because that's really, when you look, think about podcasts, you think about just pure... Radio silence. The, t- the team that he is referring to, of course, is a team that I believe we've mentioned on the podcast we really, really, really didn't want to talk about. And that's Echo Fox. Ugh. And there are a lot of reasons not to want to talk about Echo Fox. And I think the place to start is their first game against TSM. Walter, let- let's start here. What's salvageable when you look at this team? When you look at a game like TSM where they actually did play more members of their starting roster than em- Ember members, which was not true on day two and will not be true starting off this week. But when you look at that roster, like, is there any bright spot that stands out to you? Is there anything positive you can take away from this TSM game? No. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> You, I, I, Keith, Keith has been okay, but he's only had a couple of games where he's been okay. Other than that, they haven't put out an actual lineup, like no. a consistent lineup since week one. I, whatever, you know, it sucks that they had to deal with this visa issue. And, and Rick Fox is actually a basketball player that I grew up enjoying quite a bit. I was a huge fan of those 2000 Lakers because <laughs> uh, I was young and played NBA Live, and I wanted the best team, and fine, I'm going to root for Kobe and Shaq, because they're awesome and they're winning. Mm -hmm. As a Yankees fan, it seemed appropriate. As a Bills (laughs) fan, not so much. Uh, But I loved watching watching those teams play, and when Rick Fox, like, all of a sudden, Rick Fox is interested in League of Legends. His son plays it. Like, that was the coolest thing on the planet, until he bought a team, and it was even cooler, and then I saw the lineup and went, Why? Why would you do this to yourself? This lineup is terrible. Even the starting lineup is is bad outside of the the occasional good Keith game and, and Froggen is Froggen. I Big hasn't done anything to, to prove that he is anything better than the ninth, eighth, tenth best support in North America. KFO, I we saw two games from him. Not very impressive, but you know, we gave the Korean imports on TIP a couple of games and they're looking a little bit better than mediocre and hard. Oh, I love you, Tony, but dude, it might have been too soon for you to go to the LCS. And part of it may just be not having consistent teammates around you, but geez, man, you look bad. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, I just, I hate watching this team in a way that I, it's not like how I hate watching Vitality where the games are just boring for 40 minutes. I hate watching this team because it's not good League of Legends. It's really terrible League of Legends. Mm-hmm. And it's dragging the teams that they're playing down to their level in some regards. And that was what I was going to say. That TSM game, it actually looked 
pretty good for Echo Fox if you just look at the raw stats. At 30 minutes, they had spent more of the game in the lead than behind. And it was because Keith and Big were actually able to make a couple plays. They also made plays for the enemy team as much as they did for themselves. You know, there were a couple engages where Keith just went way too far in. And Big's like, I'm coming with you, buddy, because why would he want a lantern? You know, Lantern's clearly overrated as an escape mechanic. It's why no one else uses them. But it's it's just one of those things where, you know, I think you hit it on the head. Like, how are we supposed to be seeing the best that Keith, Big, and Hard have to offer if they're constantly having to change out teammates? There's never been a situation in Professional League of Legends where you said to yourself, man, if only this team was rotating players all the time so that they never had any consistency. And so the players are getting less experience as far on a week-to-week basis so that their growth was hampered for no long-term benefit. And honestly, I I think as much as I want to give them credit for having some aggressive moves in the early game, it did feel like they were roaming against TSM, which they needed to because Bjergsen was so far ahead in CS and was just outplaying Golden Glue like Golden Glue wasn't even on the rift which is a whole nother set of problems. But, you know, they needed to make some roams, and they got away with some. Double Lift was out of position. Yellow Star was out of position. Those two guys still have some things to work through, I think. But I, I just – everything else about this team, the way they try to close games is just wrong. The way they play around objectives is just provably wrong. And when you have such little faith in the team – that you're willing to sacrifice all three bands against Dignitas so that you can start Ember plus hard? Like, what, what does that accomplish for you? Like, wh- let's just get into that for a moment. Like, how baffling is the actual implementation of the infrastructure around this team right now? Because when I see that they're starting essentially Ember, when they actually have guys that are on their team available, like Keith and Big are there, we saw them. You know, you have to play them eventually. So what are they gaining from this? What is the point of doing this right now? Um, nothing. I, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, dude, I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea what Rick is doing. I have no idea what any of the people that he put in charge are doing. I, uh, I don't care. I don't care about this team because it's awful. I'd care a little bit more if Froggen was playing because, man, we just get to see the, you know, the, the Washington Wizards era Jordan out of him where he's just struggling at the end of his career to have any sense of relevancy or something. I, I don't know. Whoever's making the roster decisions, uh, maybe Ember was paying for their players to get some experience. Maybe Echo Fox got conned by Ember to pay part of their ridiculous salaries to play a couple LCS games. I have no clue. The only reason why you start Stunt and Lod is just to try and keep the cohesion of the Ember roster together, but it doesn't matter because the best player on that Ember roster isn't playing in that game anyways in, in contracts. So I don't know. My hands are up in the air, and I, I'm baffled. It doesn't matter. This is the worst team in the LCS by far. Well, I'll say this. I don't know anything about Ginkgo, their general manager. He's the guy from Gravity. Oh, okay. So this is – it's literally the Gravity guys because Cop is the head coach as well. Yes. And after seeing what Gravity became towards the end of that season, 
I'm not surprised that this organization has some question marks about how they're running things. It did feel like as that season went on, they just ran out of answers. They ran out of ideas. And and now they're just relying on Ember ideas. I mean, I'll put it like this. I don't consider Freak to be the pinnacle of analysis. I think that's a safe thing to say. I, there are a lot of things I like about him, uh, but his you know on-point, really in-depth analysis is not what I think about when I think of Freak. And even Freak was looking at Echo Fox's composition against Dignitas and saying, man, this looks like it's straight out of solo queue. Like none of these pieces fit. None of them come together in a cohesive way. I don't understand why they would pick these things. That's a problem. I'm, I'm going to call that a concern. And I don't feel like if you're getting just the basics wrong from a pick and ban perspective, where, where analysts whose entire job is to explain what it is you're doing in a general sense, and their answer is, I've got nothing. I don't know why a team would pick this way. And I certainly don't know why a team would play this way. And then you add all these players shuffling around. And I don't even know how they're able to keep these loans out as long as they are. Like Solo and Golden Glue have now been playing for over three weeks, which I didn't think was allowed. Apparently it is. You can just loan someone forever as, as far as Riot seems to care, which I think that's a little silly. I don't know what the point of the challenger scene is when you can just loan players out indefinitely for no consequence whatsoever. Yeah, th- but this, this, this rule is going to be taken, uh, need a hard, hard look at uh, this, this off season in, in the middle before they go to whatever strange summer uh, existence we will have, whether there's franchises or not. This rule needs to be really, really looked at because I know they have the whole, well, spirit of the rule thing to protect from like, swapping Team Liquid and TLA back and forth or mm-hmm. the the things that we heard about what the Cloud9 roster would have done if the pro roster had been relegated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I know there's that in there, but this this rule is really, really funky right now and needs to be looked at. I Can I go full conspiracy on you for a second? Go ahead. I think that they're only allowing it because it's a makeup call for the whole Visa situation. Because from everything we've heard from multiple people within the scene about you know the, the cabal coming in of these old school mm-hmm. teams and, and trying to come after this Visa stuff, there was a rumor going around that Echo Fox and Renegades were not properly informed about what exactly they needed for players to be eligible. Mm-hmm. And I think Riot knows that, and Riot does not want Echo Fox telling anyone that that's what happened. So they're like, look, we'll ignore the loan rules. We'll ignore... You know, the fact that while you're scrambling right now, you, you, you know, you do whatever you need and just don't publicly mention how much we screwed you over by failing to explain the rules that we were going to hold you to in retrospect. I, I think it's a complete makeup call because I don't know how else Riot does it. I mean, when you deport half of a team, what do you expect them to do? And I don't know, you know, Rick Fox was a new owner. I can't imagine that there wasn't someone at Riot whose job was to say, hey, you need to make sure your papers are in order by doing X, Y, and Z. And since you're a new owner and this is a league we've run for over three years, I should be able to explain that to you. And the fact that it wasn't properly explained and that we are having these kinds of issues leads me to believe that someone at Riot screwed up and this is the way to make up for that. That's my conspiracy. That, that's fair. I don't 
I don't necessarily disagree with it. I think it's that they want to at least put something competitive on the riff. <laughs> I'm not sure if competitive is the word I'd use to describe this dude, but that's is it fair. better than is it be- I mean it's better than pulling five randos out of solo queue. Although you can make a joke that maybe it's not, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I do want to bring up something that was told to me in the uh, late off season, right before the the regular season started, mm-hmm. was that the person in question thought that Rick Fox had been fleeced by the former Gravity, now Echo Fox people in, in Cop and, and Ginkgo, and that he has not been given the best product. Uh, I, there was rumors that he had wanted some retired players. The re- entire reasoning, apparently, behind the cabal going after the visas and the, the, the foreign players of Renegades and Echo Fox was that Rick Fox apparently had the balls to ask if Dyrus wanted to come play for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if Medios wanted to come play for him, especially if that was a rumored roster was going to be Dyrus, Medios, Froggen, insert AD carry here, and Expecial, which, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. But that's sort of the rumor behind the scenes of why Reggie went after uh, Echo Fox in such a way. So I think it's interesting. I don't think that this roster, uh, the original roster, the Ember Fox roster, either or, are very good. And I'm, eh, whatever. I'd well, like nothing more than to move on from this team. Well, we, we got to mention one thing really quickly. And I, I think we can answer to one word. Does Froggen coming back change anything? Nope. Awesome. We can continue forward. <laughs> I, do, I do think that there are people on Reddit who are generally, like, you no. look at the Reddit post today, they're like, oh, Froggen's back. He's going to do, like, what is he going to do? Like, Golden Goo's not even the worst player on this team. Maybe they win their game against Renegades. God, maybe they win a game against Dignitas with Froggen. I, it doesn't pull them out of the bottom three. No. It doesn't pull them out of relegations or anything. That's, you know. It's, it's not great. And meanwhile, Froggen... Could you imagine being Froggen? Like, you're back in Europe. You're having to deal with all this visa stuff, which as someone who finally just got approved for my visa, I can tell you that any amount of time you have to wait is a mess. It just, it's a terrible feeling because it's completely out of your hands. And meanwhile, all you can do is watch and you just see the team that you're supposed to play for just implode in on itself. And then they're like, hey, we can't wait for you to get back. And he's like, yeah, can't wait. Meanwhile, frantically emailing like everyone he can. Like, are you sure you don't want a mid laner? Like, I'm around. It's possible. It's not too late. I don't. I can't imagine. Maybe we should just let him play Anivia every game so we could at least be happy. You know, like give him something because he needs something to look forward to. In the age of Zillion being a meta pick, why can't we get Frog to play Zillion? That's what I want to see. I want to see a game where he plays no runes, no masteries, Zillion mid lane. <laughs> uh, the no rune, no masteries. Is that the piglet special or? No, that was what him and Aphromoo did during the uh, 1v1 tournament, remember? Oh, that's true. I yeah. forgot the 1v1 That's tournament. what I want to see. Well, how could you forget the 1v1 tournament I- where double-lifted Bjergsen battled it out for supremacy and obviously North America is the best region? Come on! That's... that's- didn't Froggen lose in the first... Uh, didn't Faker lose in the first round? Come on! Yeah, that's true. It's well, obviously terrible. Overrated, clearly. That's, uh, that's what I learned here. Let's talk about Dignitas because I... I don't think I can talk about Echo Fox anymore uh, without my head exploding. We should start with game one, which was against Liquid. And to me, this was a failure on 
multiple levels. And it's something that we've noticed ever since we praised Dignitas back, I believe, in our week two pod. Uh, things have kind of been going downhill from there. And I think this game is the culmination of all of the things that have gone wrong for them. Walter, when you watch this game and you look at how it ended up, what stood out to you most as far as the difference between the Dignitas team that we were praising as much as we were and the Dignitas team that's hitting the rift today? So to me, the biggest thing is that Kire early on was able to take advantage of opposing junglers and their lack of confidence by these really aggressive invades, by getting in their face, and that Shifter in particular was sort of playing to the point where he was able to push waves to back him up. That's changed. Shifter has reverted back to his very his overly passive self, where he's the one who's getting pushed in. And Kira is still trying to make these plays, but you can just tell that he doesn't have the backup, and that's eroding his confidence and making him not want to do these plays to the point where he's not being a very impactful uh, jungler anymore. I mean, the first couple of weeks, he was one of the most impactful junglers in the game. And now that his lanes are having such problems getting pushed in, and he's not getting the backup in... in when he goes to ward, when he goes to uh, invade, when he goes to counter gank or anything like that, it, it, it's taken his toll on him to the point where now he's shifting and now he's playing very passively. And now he's playing where I'm just going to farm up my jungle and I'm going to attempt to go in. But if I see any laner, you know, make even a hint that they're going to move towards me, oh, I got to immediately back off that because I don't trust that my teammates are going to back him up. Yeah, no, it's, it's a problem. Kira has not been able to be the guy that we want him to be. And the other problem, I think, and, and this is something I've... You know, I mentioned a little bit last week, but I think Billy Boss is a problem. I, it's, ever since he's come in, he has not done anything to make me feel like he is anything more than a below-average LCS top laner. And, you know, that's not a death sentence, right? I'm not saying he's necessarily that much worse than what Smitty J was putting on the table, because Smitty J was far from some hard-carrying god in the top lane. But when you have a lane like Shifter, you know, a mid laner and Shifter that's so passive... You have Apollo as the AD carry who is so passive. And now you have Billy Boss who just isn't able to get a lot done in the laning phase. Where is Kire supposed to go? Like, where are those ganks supposed to be headed? It, is it, are we really going for, like, a Lulu gank in the mid lane? Like, I know Shifter got the solo first blood in this game against Liquid, and then they failed to do literally anything else for the rest of the game. But it, it just seems like such a... A weird decision. You know, with Smitty J at the very least, he'd make mistakes, but he played aggressively. It gave them a natural point in which to put Kire's resources and, and lead Kire from a strategic perspective. And now they don't have that. And I I don't know why you want a ganking jungler with three incredibly passive lanes. That makes no sense to me, just on a on a pure strategic perspective. And I, I don't know what the Someone's story gotta is. do something in the early game. Well, you would think, but this is, and this is the other point I want to get to with this Liquid game. I mean, Liquid is a team that with Dardock, we have seen play aggressively very well. And it's felt like Dignitas just handed Liquid the most perfect early game aggressive composition they could, they could hand them. Is this a failure of Dignitas to understand their opponent's strengths? Or is this what happens when you know, Shifter has been playing almost exclusively Lulu in the last you know couple weeks, and this team just can't play the kind of aggressive champions that they had to give up to the other side. 
they just can't play the aggressive champions. The, Kira just doesn't fit their play style anymore. And it's weird because they had sort of that play style early, and that was because, yeah, you had Spinny J that was semi-aggressive. You had Shifter, despite playing you know mainly passive in lane, would at least push up his lane when Kira, you know, said, oh, I want to do this, or I want to try and invade this. Whether there's lack of communication going on, whether it's, you know, Shifter just isn't able to push up his lane anymore, which I guess into Lissandra is semi-difficult with Lulu, but it, it just doesn't fit anymore. The pieces just don't fit anymore, and, and something has to change where Dignitas either needs to get some more aggressive champions and break the mold that Shifter and Apollo and Billy Boss have set for themselves of being very passive laners, or Kira needs to change his style and go full-on Meteos, where it's just, okay, I'm just going to power farm my jungle and make sure that I don't get invaded, which with the amount of aggressive junglers that have entered into the LCS now, mainly with Dardoch, mainly with Svenskaren starting to get more aggressive, Xmithy's gotten a little bit more aggressive, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know if you can play that super heavy farm style that Meteos made popular in Season 3. I just don't think it's possible. Right. And that's the thing. It does feel like they're suboptimally using their resources no matter what they do, as long as they opt into these Lulu compositions. And, you know, this week they played the Lulu-Lucian combo both times. It was, you know, a protect the AD carry comp, which if you're doing it with double lift, that's fine. Last week with Rocket, when you're doing it with tabs, it's not so great. And when you're doing it with Apollo, it only works when you're playing Echo Fox, who just can't make use of the early game even when you hand it to them by having Billy Boss and Kira getting caught out. And this is where I, I, I have to wonder, you know, at some point, shouldn't Shifter be playing more carry-oriented champions like Ari? Like, we know his Ari is really good. We haven't forgotten that, right? You know, Ari's been a champion that we've seen do really well on roams. It would add a split-pushing target. It would give a place for Kira to go. It just feels like Dignitas is playing so safe like, they're so afraid of taking any risks and getting caught out in any way that would matter, that could come back to haunt them. And instead, it's put them in a place where for the first 25, 30 minutes, they're just useless. And you can get away with that against Echo Fox, because Echo Fox gave them just so many openings thanks to their incredibly poor positioning around objectives. They somehow, Echo Fox got two Barons in this game and did nothing with it. You know, you can get away with it when LOD is so suicidally aggressive that Apollo is going to get kills regardless. But it seems like playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And so I, I have to ask you, Walter, what's your fix to this? How, if you're Raz right now and you have to make these pieces work, it is your job. Because right now, amazingly, despite all the negative things we just said, Dignitas is one game out of the playoffs. That's it. They're one game behind Liquid. It's still in play. How do you save this team? You either need to go full bore on this just late scaling type of thing. And I mean, I noticed something today. I was up early enough today that I was able to watch part of the LCK. And I've just noticed that in the early game with the lane swaps, mid lane is literally untouched. No one goes mid lane. There's no, there's no, you know, clever, all right, support and jungle are going to roam and try and get, it's literally, let's just get to the side lanes, just, just push these two towers and get into this back and forth wave control management mini game. Why isn't Cassidy being played in the mid lane? Ooh. When Cassidy, when no one is even looking at the mid lane at all to try and impact it or anything, maybe the second you pick a Cassidy, someone would like 
all of a sudden, okay, let's let's get standard lades and just gank the crap out of them. Fine, whatever. But I just feel like maybe if you're gonna go full bore on this really like push the sideways, push the sideways, nobody's gonna interrupt mid lane style. Um, wouldn't Cassidy be the perfect mid lane champion? You know, I I feel like it'd be perfect. It sure does feel that way. I whenever I look at the way that this team needs to play. Because here's the thing. In this meta, you can't wait for the 30-minute mark. The games are too fast. You'll lose too many objectives. If, unless you're playing a terrible team like Renegades yeah. or Echo Fox, you right. can't win. The only win they have against a team that isn't Renegades or Echo Fox CLG. is that CLG game in week one. And it was because Smitty J, for all of his faults, was pushing very aggressively. Kirei had an obvious gank point, and they just said, we're not letting Darshan beat us. The other four of you can, and they couldn't. Right. And that's something we've just never seen them do again. And I want Shifter to be that guy. I want Shifter to step up and say, you know what? I'm going to play. Maybe maybe you do it on red side, and you just you pick the cast so that you can't get countered because there are some obvious counters in lane to him. Or maybe you, you play the Ari, who we know he can play really well. We know he can play Zed well, and Zed's had some success. Like, he can do this. We have seen him do this. And right now, somebody has to be a carry threat. Somebody has to be a split push threat. It doesn't have to be your whole game. You can still have Apollo and Kiwi Kid play super safe. You, you know, but you need to give Kira something. You need to, you need to give yourself a win condition. Because right now, their win condition is the other team loses. That is, so... that is their win condition. So as someone who's been watching Shifter since the GGU days, it's not going to happen. Well, of course it's, it's not, not going to happen. consistently happen. So. Look, I, I have been declared a Shifter hater at times throughout my career because I'm still mad for him ruining that GGU slash Team Coast team by refusing to talk to his own jungler for three months. I find that inexcusable, and I haven't let that go. And I, So accept that bias when I say this. But when you and I broke down the stats, you know, heading into the season, we know what he is. And what he is is a guy that sometimes can carry and sometimes just doesn't really appear no matter what champion he's playing. And that's, you know, that's not great. But at the same time, I don't think you have another option. I, Billy Boss cannot be that guy. He's proven nope. that at this point. Nope. And, and Apollo has never been that guy. Like, say what you will about Shifter. He hasn't been that guy consistently, but there are games you can point to and say, that was a Shifter game. That was a game in which, you know, it's funny because if you look at, like, previous iterations of Shifter, the the criticism was that he was always behind on farm. Like, he'd get a couple kills, but he'd fall behind in farm so much that it wouldn't matter, and he would still be behind, and we'd make fun of him for this. And now his laning is great, but he's not getting any of the kills. And at this point, the way the meta is, the way things are going, I would much rather have Season 3, early Season 4 shifter than what we've got now. This version doesn't work in this meta. And I don't think this team works until they figure that out. I mean, do you have any final thoughts before we move on? I don't, I don't think there's I, anything more I want to say about them. I, I'm curious why they're not going back to Smitty J. I feel like they mm. should. But something tells me that there was something underlying in the surface of why they replaced him since it seemed uh, so abrupt. So I, that would be my solution is to try and go back to Smitty J. Uh, if not, yeah, I mean, try try the Ari. 
try and get Shifter on some more playmaking champions. Zed maybe, especially with the changes that come in, mm-hmm. uh, come in patch six point three with the new item. Uh, maybe LeBlanc. I I don't know. I just I've seen enough of him to know he's not an aggressive player. And sure, he can do stuff in the mid to late game, but you don't get to the mid to late game very easily. Yeah. So we should move on. CLG. CLG is a team that you and I have bounced back and forth on many times over the course of the year. I think it's safe to say. You know, we kept waiting for the Sword of Damocles to kind of fall over this whole, yep. we are going to rely on Darshan to win every game. And it just didn't happen. And nope. now they're 5-3. and three And, you know, we got a week last week that feels like the best and worst of what CLG has to offer. So even though it's not linked with the other two teams like we normally try to do, this was a perfect week, I thought, to talk about this team. So let's start with the bad, which was this Immortals game. Walter, when you look at the way this game went down, do you think that CLG just got mind-gamed in the pick-and-ban phase, which you know led to some of those team fights being as difficult as they were? Or were there some serious problems that top-tier teams can expose that were brought up here? So I think they really got kind of trapped into this Zillion pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Zillion is really great when you're ahead. Like, he's a really, really good champion when you're ahead because of the utility that he provides on the slow and on the ultimate, you know, reviving someone. Like, the composition as a whole makes sense, but they kind of got really trapped on it, putting... Uh, X Smithy playing a champion that I don't think fits into his his wheelhouse. Like, cool. It's nice that we get to see him on Graves, um, but he's just not that style of player. He's the tank, Corkez style. Let me get a sight stone. Let me ward up. Let me control team fights like that. Let me play tanks. And sure, he misses Sejuani ultimates. You know more than Rick Fox missed game winning three pointers. But yeah, if you want a three-point shooter at the end of the game, it's Robert Ory, not Rick Fox. The Lakers learned that very early in the careers. That's true. Just telling you. Look, I still it's love not you, wrong. <laughs> I still love you, Rick Fox, but that was the truth. It was always Horry or Kobe making those shots, not Rick Fox. And that comment was the time that Rick Fox said he's never coming on the podcast. <laughs> that is right there. You've ruined our future guest interview with Rick Fox. But, but it just doesn't feel like a him champion. But it, it's cool to see him expand and play a little better, and he just missed Graves, Graves ultimates, not Sichuani ultimates this time. Mm. Uh, but the Zillion, when you get behind, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Immortals, I think, are a really cool team because they have Huni, who is able to counterpick pretty much anything. This is now the second time we've seen him play Cho'Gath into Rise, mm-hmm. and it's a great counter in terms of the amount of CC that he has that interrupts Rise while he's trying to go into this like you know machine gun state where he's trying to blast off spells. The Soraka, even though it was before the Rise, was also really key in this, where you put down the Silence Field. It was just a really well-orchestrated composition from Immortals, and they were able to get ahead where CLG needed had a composition that needed to be ahead. They couldn't <laughs> fall behind. Yeah, and that was the thing about the way that CLG plays. And I, I, I think it's something that contrasts really well with how they played on day two against Impulse, which we'll get to in a second. But this team plays so much better when they have a lead because you get the confidence. You know, you get, you know, Darshan, you know, doing his thing in the top lane, which he was unable to do because Cho'Gath just completely neutralized him. I thought that was an inspired pick by Immortals 
I don't think anyone saw the Cho'Gath coming. And it was just great. Uh, like, well, I mean, we've seen it before. That's fair. But still, like, Darshan picked that rise, assuming, like, oh, well, now I'll get my scaling. I'll just do all my damage, whatever. And Cho'Gath's like, I'm, I'm just super tanky. You're not killing me, Ryze. Uh And I have my ultimate. So if you ever engage too far, I'll just silence you and I'll eat you and that'll be it. And it just – it created this really, really interesting – Incredibly annoying team to fight against. I love Immortals pick a man phase at this point. I, I think they're they have a better understanding of how to make the meta work for their team than I think anyone else in the West right now, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. But with CLG, like, you know, when they fall behind, like who he is not GBM. Those Zillion bombs were not point and click abilities for him this game. No. And he had that one teleport where he came in just a second too late with the ult. That would have saved, uh, I believe it was Darshan on a tower dive early. Yeah, and just barely missed it. You like those kind of things are the plays that could have turned the game around, or could have at least kept it closer. And and it just didn't go their way. But the particular thing I want to point to about you know the difference to me with a good CLG game and a bad CLG game, it really seems to come down to that Stixa bot lane because when they feel confident and they get time to farm up a bit. They're not a very active, aggressive lane in the first 10, 15 minutes. But if Stixa gets one or two kills under his belt, he plays like an entirely different player. Oh, absolutely. And and to me, I, I think watching him against Impulse was the perfect example of it. Do you, Walter, do you think that this is one of those mental things that we just can't quantify? Or do you think there's something about the way that he plays the game just on a mechanical strategic level that just needs those one or two snowball kills in order to to be the player that they need him to be uh i think it's a confidence thing but beyond that i think it's just the way the clg system works i bring up in my in my hypothetical battle of the atlantic article over on slingshot esports to steal from matthew barry I am a company man. Go check it out and read it. <laughs> and I bring up that, that CLG, I've long decried this sort of relying on Darshan style. But for those of you who don't know, I'm from upstate New York. And there's a college up here called Syracuse University. And their head coach is Jim Beheim, And he, for his entire coaching career, has played one defensive strategy in basketball. And that is the 2-3 zone. And everyone always harps on, oh, the 2-3 zone isn't great, it's whatever, but he has spent the better part of 45-plus years perfecting it and building all these little nuances into it and doing all these funky little things that no one else does, and it's become uh, this this unique system that you can't really prepare for. Mm-hmm. And some people have brought that up about CLG, and it was finally like this week that I sat down and watching the team impulse game in particular that I realized, yeah, they they're building all these little subtle nuances into it in this game in particular, they used Hui as a secondary split pusher on Zed, which mm-hmm. Holy crap. Like if you guys don't remember who he's Zed back from when he played for fusion in spring of like 2014, I think it was mm-hmm. like, he's a really good Zed player. He's yeah. really, really good at the champion. It was cool to see. And they do all these funky little nuances that, happen based on how the game is going. Darshan, in particular, didn't have an amazing game on Rise in this. This was one of his better score lines outside of like the early TSM Jax game. Mm-hmm. But he did enough that he was applying pressure. But they were playing through Stixay and they were playing through Hui. And it really was more about 
who he getting into that sideline and who he applying the pressure because he could instantly blow up the Quinn. He could instantly blow up the Lucian mm-hmm. and using Darshan more as a, okay, well, they pushed out top wave. Just go get that going with a slow push, then come back and group type deal. And it's all these subtle little nuances that they're building into their strategy that once I finally realize that they're there, okay, this is a much better team, and I have to give them a whole bunch more credit than I did uh, originally. Stixay and Hui have both grown up. Do they still have really bad games like they did against Immortals? Yes, they do, but you can see why CLG picked these players. You can see the upside there, and they're starting to have more upside games than they are downside games. That's very fair. I I do think part of the reason they succeed you know, this is not to take away from, from any of the points he just made. Obviously, 6A, when he plays confidently like he did in this game, he just looks like a monster. And who he – I mean, he really did. I, I don't know what it is about bad top laners really loving to pick Quinn. We saw Wonderware do it. We saw Freddy122 <laughs> do it. And now we saw Feng do it. And every time it's terrible. I don't it, – it feels to me like part of the reason that CLG looks as good as they do in their victories – is that if you play passively at all, it's game over. Because they are the team right now that I think snowballs a lead better than anyone outside of Immortals. And that's the two things. Like, if you look at CLG and Immortals as the top two teams in the league, which, you know, there's an argument to be made that that's the case, those are the two teams that if you let them get any amount of a lead, will come back to haunt you. And that's something that I found very fun about this team. But it does mean that when they play proactive teams, I think it's still punishable. Like, does Stixay have the game that he had in this game if he's going up against someone who is more aggressive than Mash me? I don't think so. Like, Mash made that game really easy and comfortable for Stixay. He was never challenged once. This is exactly the kind of game in which you would expect Stixay to do well. Is who he going to be as good if he's playing someone who is as you know who is more aggressive than Pyrian, who is just a poke mid laner? He likes to stay back. He likes to passively farm. Who he was never challenged in that early game, so he could just roam and do whatever he wanted because no one ever challenged him in that way. And to me, that's something that I foresee as a potential weakness for this team. When you look at who they'll be playing in the playoffs. You know, Jensen will go after who he sneaky can go after Stixay, you know, when they actually have high as a shot caller. Uh, Immortals, obviously, we saw what happened there. I think Liquid can be a team like that that just goes all in now that they have Dardock involved. Is this a concern for you, Walter, or do you think that I'm making this out to be a little bit more than maybe it is in the long run? I think it's truthful, but I think anyone's going to play better when they're playing against more passive opponents. Fair enough. Um, it allows you to be more aggressive, and that that's fine. Uh, it helps. It helps them as rookies when they're inexperienced to play against easier opponents. It's a concern when they, like, Hui didn't really stand out against Bjergsen in that first game. Granted, he had a pretty good game, but it was more about the team around him succeeding and setting him up for kills and setting up for success, not him styling on Bjergsen in the mid lane. Mm-hmm. So if you're expecting that from either Stixay or Hui, I don't think you're going to get these crazy 1v1 outplays in the mid lane where we got from Febevin last year and, and what we're getting from Sven over in Europe. But if you're expecting 
really well-orchestrated team play that's kind of become the norm for, for CLG since they discovered this style, you know, middle of last year and made double lift expendable, then yeah, I think they're perfect and I think they can only get better at it. And going back to this parallel to the 2-3 zone in the, in the Syracuse Orangemen, at the beginning of the year, when they have freshmen that are, that are starters, they use very simple concepts inside of it. You know, it's very basic. You do this, you do this, you do this. And then as it gets later into the season, you start seeing these more complex strategies inside of the 2-3 zone get layered on. One of the more popular things is basically the 2-3 zone is you have two guys in the front and three guys behind. And what Jim Beheim has started to do in the last few years as he's gotten more experienced players is he started having those two players that are on the edge of that back line, those three guys in the back, have had those two guys on the edges start moving forward when the ball comes to that side. So essentially you make a cup around the, the, the player with the ball and you force him to make errant passes. And I think you'll see the same thing from CLG here. We saw one of them when they picked this Zed and instead of having Darshan be the primary split pusher, he was secondary wave clear, and who he was the primary split pusher, where if you go back to that very first game, Darshan was the primary split pusher on Jax, and who he was the wave clear, you know, secondary split pusher on the Lissandra. So it's as they get more comfortable as a team, and as the rookies get more comfortable just playing professional League of Legends, we're going to start seeing more of these little nuances and more of these little tricks get picked up. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think honestly... That's what it comes down to at the end of the day is whenever I have my doubts about this team, whenever there's, you know, oh, you know, but this isn't where it should be or, oh, but can they do this against a stronger opponent? I then remind myself, well, they've got Zix in charge now, and this is Malixia's CLG. And those two things have proven to be far more effective than the CLG that might falter under the stretch. It does feel like they have a system. They know what they are. They know what they're doing. And to me, if we've learned anything from watching North America, it's that at the very least in this region, that is what you need to be. The aggressive teams, the, the Immortals, Cloud9, CLG, NRG, these are the four most aggressive teams in the league right now. They're the four best teams in my opinion. Liquid only got good when they started playing more aggressively. TSM looks their best when they finally get to unleash some of their aggression, which is still very up and down, unfortunately, for them right now. But... You know, they, they can do it, and it does work out well for them when they do. This is what works. Passive teams, teams like Dignitas, Impulse, Echo Fox, Renegades, the teams that want to sit back and farm and then get to the point where they feel safe enough to come on out, that doesn't work. That has not worked in North America, and CLG understand that. And against all but the best teams, they've proven that they can handle this and that they can execute their system properly. And I think that we're at the point where stopping Darshan isn't going to be enough to throw the whole thing off rails. It will be a huge help. But I think you have to be able to go at them harder than they go at you. And if they get out of their way and stop overextending like they did against Immortals, I think that'll also go a long way as well. Because sometimes they're so eager to make plays that they can sometimes get themselves in trouble. But, you know, this week led me to a lot of good things. I, I, I think very highly of them going forward, and I'm very interested to see how they play this week because they've got two very interesting matchups, and I think it's time to get to the gambling lines, Walter. Well, only thing I have to say, uh, Energy has the worst early game rating, according to Oracle's Elixir and our good friend Tim Sevenhusen. Do they really? 
Yeah, they actually have the worst. They have a worse early game rating than Echo Fox. I find that fascinating because I never feel like they're out of control in the early game. I don't know why. It, I have to go back and watch some more film then because I have a, a very different interpretation of them than what the stats they are, are bringing. They are one of only three teams to have a, a negative thousand gold difference at 15 minutes. The two other teams are Team Impulse and Echo Fox. Just a it, it, little bit of interesting statistics there. Uh, Energy are actually, in fact, a terrible early game team. Huh. I don't know why my eye test was so far off there. Well, you learn something new every day. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because otherwise we were going to have a thousand comments being like, you're an idiot. You don't know. Fine. Anyway, we're going to move on to the guest alliance part because that I actually do tend to know what I'm talking about apparently. Uh, Smart Money Bets last week, we went two and one, which was great for us. We had uh, Cloud9 over Energy. Uh, We had Dignitas over Echo Fox, which was only minus 139. That's the easiest money we've ever made on this show. Uh, We took CLG plus 155 over Immortals because we thought Immortals had to lose at some point. That was wrong. We're sorry. We we didn't mean to underestimate you, Immortals. Please don't destroy us. Uh, Uh, I think we're going to underestimate them this week. Are we really? I think so. I think we might after the number I just saw. We'll have to figure this out. But uh, that does lead us to 8-4 and four overall in our smart money bets for the year. If you bet $100 on every bet we threw out there, you'd have $419 more than you do right now. So clearly, that's what you should be doing. We're, we're giving you free money on this show, guys. You guys just need to take advantage of it. Exactly. Uh, we're going to start with the least interesting game that could possibly have presented itself. Echo Fox versus Renegades. Where do you think the line is? Can I just say I appreciate that Riot did this for both leagues this week. They put the two worst teams in the league against each other. I mean, they couldn't have known that on heading into day, the season. On Saturday. But it does. Oh, I Well, if, I mean, yeah, we, we kind of knew Echo <laughs> Fox was going to be bad. But you and I thought Renegades were going to surprise some people. We were wrong. We were yeah. absolutely wrong. But where do you think the line is? Uh... I have Renegades at minus 135. Okay, you get this one. I, I looked at the lines from last week. I saw Echo Fox had been a lot closer than Renegades had in their games against similar opponents. So I said Echo Fox minus 130. It is Renegades minus 130. I, I'm glad the casinos have finally realized that Echo Fox is just terrible. I just thought they were maybe still underestimating it a little bit. Okay. N- NRG versus CLG. This is an interesting one. Because now that, now that you brought up this whole energy early game thing, I'm thinking about this matchup entirely differently. Like, how does energy survive the early game onslaught that CLG tries to bring? Wow, I never thought I'd ever hear the words early game onslaught and ex-Smithy in the same sentence. But that's where we are. This is the world we live in, Walter. I mean, I... <laughs> Sort of, kind of, I guess. Maybe well, at least from the laners. I, I feel <laughs> at least like... from the laners. I, yeah. I know. Um, yeah. I mean, this this definitely on paper is very interesting. I feel like they could have a similar style, but energy just don't play through impact. Mm-hmm. They've had very weird, like, oh, let's pick Trundle into Poppy for some strange reason, and let's pick Maokai. Like, you have a season three world champion top laner. I get that. GBM and all tech seem like shiny toys. And yeah, if I get past this passive early game, they're going to take over the game. But you do have impact. Let's use them, guys. Come on, Hermit. You're smarter than this. Please yeah. use impact. Have him, Let him have an impact, damn it. It is funny. You know, this is the thing that when Tim Sevenhusen came on the podcast for the preseason preview, you know, he mentioned that he was kind of concerned about NRG because it felt like a cult of personality with all these analysts that 
were all considered, you know, very highly regarded uh, for their kind of strategic mind in how they approach the game. And it does feel like NRG are outthinking themselves on a regular basis. Like, it's not as complicated as you're making it out to be, guys. Put impact on Fiora and just win. Like, it's not, it's not hard. You can do it. I promise. Just lock in Fiora or lock in some other split-pushing, talented top laner that can beat up on opponents and just let impact be impact. He's a former world champion. I promise it'll work out. Where do you think the line is? I have the line CLG minus 175. Okay, I get this one. I said minus 170. We were both too high. It's minus 137. Hmm. Okay. It's well, a little low, in my opinion. Yeah, well, this is, our energy hasn't done much recently to, like, make me feel better about them in any way, shape, or form. Well, that's the problem, right? They lost to Cloud9 this week. Uh, and then they lost to Liquid in week three. It does feel like... You know, when you look at just the eye test, right? When, when they look good, when GBM's doing things like that Zillion pick, they look so good. But when they don't, you know, that's why the early game numbers are so bad. Because when they lose, they lose hard. Again, I'd have to go back and watch some film to see how I feel about it, uh, you know, on a more regular basis. But they can find themselves in a lot of trouble. I think that CLG can absolutely take advantage of that. I don't agree with that line. I think that's too low. But yeah. we'll move on. Cloud9 versus Team Liquid. Two teams that have found a new identity in recent weeks. Liquid had a little bit of a hiccup this past week against Immortals, but everyone does. I don't think I can blame them for that. Meanwhile, Cloud9 has just been on a tear ever since they realized that maybe high was the right way to go. And Jensen somehow had a 24.0 KDA on Oriana in, in the two games last week, so... But the real story was about how Balls was playing so well. <laughs> that was the real story from the North American casters. And desk was, let's look at how good Balls is playing. I was half surprised that when they said the MVP was Jensen, that they didn't just have Steve Harvey walk out, give them a new envelope, and go, wait, guys, our bad. <laughs> there you go. Pop culture reference. Booyah. I appreciate it. I will say I found it very funny how much they, they did talk about balls in that cast. And yet of the OP5, like you have Jensen sneaky and high, and, and balls, of course, is nowhere to be found. It's just that we expect so little from him, I think, that whatever we get <laughs> is now very nice, which is probably not the way balls wants to be talked about as a general rule. But where do you think the line is on this, Walter? I have the line cloud nine minus 190. Okay, you went too high. I get this one. Really? I said okay. minus 150. It's minus 143. Okay. Uh, I think it's a little low. I think that's a little disrespectful of Cloud9. They just well, really don't want us to make any money. Well, remember, they're 1-3 and three on Saturdays. That has to be taken into account at some point. Oh, yeah. 1-3 and three on Saturdays. <laughs> Isn't it great? See, this is, this is when sample size is wonderful, right? Uh, Impulse versus TSM. I got this line exactly. Oh, come on. <laughs> like I'm, I'm letting you know ahead of time. I think that you'll. I think it's not a a surprising line in particular. What do you think it is? TSM minus two fifty. Yeah, you got it. It's it's minus two fifty. Oh, thank Jesus! <laughs> thank Jesus! <laughs> I, t- I mean, look. Sometimes it's, sometimes you just know. Like that's exactly where the line should be, and it's exactly where it is. Okay, perfect. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think the TSM has some issues that I'd like to see them figure out. I still don't know how we're 
this far into the season and we still have such little handle on what their identity as a five-man unit is going to be. But Impulse is not the team to challenge that right now, especially when Proxen just disappeared last week for a lot of it. I'm I'm worried for Impulse. I think that one week in which Perian and Proxen looked pretty good might have been a flash in the pan. But we'll yeah, see. but thank God for Echo Fox. Yeah, right? Echo Fox and Renegades, man. <laughs> Wasn't that what we were saying in the preseason about Echo Fox? Oh, thank God Team Impulse exists. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh, how oh, the not-so-mighty have somehow fallen still quite hard. <laughs> Immortals versus Dignitas. One of these teams is the best team in North America, and one of them is Dignitas. Where do you think the line is? Immortals minus 350. Okay, we split this one. Because I said minus 350 as well. We are both way too low. It is minus 769. Woohoo! <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, man. That is, oh, my lord! That is so disrespectful. Is it? <laughs> that, like, it I mean, it's, it's bang on, but holy crap, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're at the point where unless Immortals is playing a team that's in the playoff hunt, it, it really should be 500 or higher on all these lines. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. I don't care what your argument is. Like, Immortals is so good right now. They are. They're really, really good. Let's, but, uh, man, let's they play. They need to be careful. They need to be careful because the volatility of, of Immortals. Unicorn, sidebar for a second. Be really careful how high you place these lines because you're going to get someone like me that's going to start putting, like, five bucks on them at a time because at some point, the volatility of those players is going to go off like a the nuclear explosion that happens at the end of Wolf of uh, Wolverine Origins. God. Three Mile Island. We're talking about Three Mile Island here, and you're going to lose a ton of money. So just be very careful how high you put these things, because it'll be against a, a, a stupid team like Dignitas that they're going to lose. It won't be against TSM, but it'll be against something stupid like Dignitas or Impulse. So just be careful. I mean, to be fair, I think uh, as a general rule, sports books are pretty good at not losing money. That tends <laughs> to be like their entire job as a sports book. So I'm not as worried about them. I will point this out, though, since we brought up the Immortals thing and how just how dominant they've been. You know, they have the OP5 in North America every week, and they intentionally try to diversify who gets the awards every week. How many uh, Immortals players, out of the 20 they've given out, how many spots do you think have gone to Immortals, guys? Two. I'm going to say it's out of 20 spots. Yeah, out of 20 spots. I think it's nine. It is exactly nine. <laughs> Hooney's gotten it twice. Rainover got it three times. Surprisingly, we're just... Adrian's gotten it twice. Pobelter hasn't gotten it at all. Adrian's got it twice, and Wild Turtle's got it twice. Well, come on. Someone's got to be the Rainover here. God, it is it is amazing. I that team is just so good. For those of you who at home uh, are don't know what I'm talking about, Rainover was the only person on Fnatic last year that didn't get an MVP of the week award once. Even Del- Daylor got one, and Rainover didn't. So there you go. Yeah, poor, well, joke explained. They made they made up for it this year. I think <laughs> they're just giving him. <laughs> he's got three in the last four. Like like poor Dardock, he got once, and then every every other one of these jungles. Yeah, but he's got had- a week MVP. That's true. The first week he showed up, they gave it to Dardock. They gave him everything. And then they're like, and now this is Rainover's job again. Like, this is just the Rainover spot until proven otherwise. Which I, I do want to say, uh, not, not trying to spoil anything, but my, my week five power rankings are not going to be power rankings. They're going to be my midseason awards. Mm-hmm. And I'm very tempted to just give Dardock every single award just despite the rest of North America. 
Like literally every award, everything. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy that read. I'd enjoy the comment section more than the article, <laughs> but it would be, uh, it would be a fun one. Let's get to day two. Echo Fox versus NRG. NRG minus 225. Okay, I get this one. You went too low. I went too low, but you went even really? lower. I said minus 250. It's minus 417. They're okay. done with Echo Fox. Honestly, as long as Echo Fox is starting four members of Ember, fine. Okay. Like, I wouldn't take Echo Fox at plus 280. So, I wouldn't take Echo Fox ever. I don't care who's uh, who's starting right now. That's fair. I mean, it, at least with Frog, and I think the numbers will have to go down. But we'll They'll see. They'll go down a little. But are you still gonna? Are you gonna gamble on them? Not no, no, of course exactly. not. They're terrible. CLG versus TSM. This is an interesting one. TSM Ooh. wants revenge, man. That I, I mean, game I, did not go their way. I, I think there was an interview with Double Lift where he basically said that they aren't listening to each other, they aren't trusting in whoever's shot calling. I think this is the week they figure it out. Not, not figure it out, but this is the week that they like say, okay, this is our shot caller, everybody listen to him. I'm quite interested to see what TSM does this week, especially against CLG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like, you know, this is something we talked about a little bit when we talked about TSM a couple weeks ago, is that, you know, you have Bjergsen, who's always been a shot caller. You have Sven Skaren, who's always been a shot caller. You have Yellowstar, who's always been a shot caller. And you have Doublelift, who at the very least has been partially a shot caller. Of course there were going to be voices overlapping each other. And it's something that we didn't really think about. We just assumed that when you have that much talent, you're going to put the ego aside and just make it work. And, you know, at some point, maybe it's not even about ego. It's just getting to that comfort level and having that trust and your teammates, and we'll have to see. This is the game where you would hope they're able to put everything aside and give CLG a run for their money because on paper, it's such an interesting matchup. But, you know, we'll see. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have the line CLG minus 160. Okay, you get this one. I went a little too high. I said minus 170 is minus 130. That is... A little low in my opinion, but I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, again, you're not getting any underdog value on TSM. Like TSM's even odds. It's like, oh, that's, that's not helpful. Um, Immortals versus Cloud9. This is, this is the true test of, you know, who, does, who do the casinos assume is in Immortals caliber? Like who's in that group at the top of the chart? You have to imagine that Cloud9 is at this point. Cla- the way Cla- I, think, I think Cloud9 wins this game. Interesting. I, I think they do. The only balls is the issue. Yeah. He he's he's the one that anytime I'm like, Cloud9 could be a top two team in North America, I go, but they're starting freaking balls. And I just I can't get over that fact. And I just feel like Hooney has shown the ability that they're gonna last pick his champion. And they're and like Cloud9 doesn't want to last pick for balls if they can help it right and it's just either you're going to give up all your your good players what they're playing and allow immortals to counter pick there or you're basically going to let Hooney get whatever he wants against balls if you're going to be playing oriana on jensen at that point why not just pick that early and give balls the counter pick like i what are you giving up for that like it's oriana and anyone you know Oriana's like the safest lane ever you're not giving anything away yeah, if that you is feel true. that confident on it. That's like, true. At some point, you have to recognize that at the very least, you don't want to give Hooney the counterpick. And they are on red side, so there's no reason 
that they couldn't give balls the mm-hmm. counter. And I feel like they should. I the last thing I want to see is them like first picking a rise or something, and then letting the chogath happen, and then acting all surprised when balls gets destroyed. Uh, yeah. What do you think the line is? I have the line immortals minus one eighty. Okay, I get this one. You went a little low. I said minus two hundred. It's minus two fifty. Mm. That's okay. high to me. I'm all in on Cloud Nine. Can um, we put I Cloud would, Nine plus one eighty five? Cloud that- Nine smart money bet here. That those are too good of odds for it's a Sunday Cloud Nine. That's true. They are it's uh, Sunday. 4-0. Until, you know, they do something stupid like Star Bunny Foo Foo against them, at which point I would <laughs> if I if I'm any sports book, I'm the happiest guy on the planet because I just suckered a bunch of people into taking a pretty decent cloud nine line with Bunny Foo Foo. Oh my god. It would be uh it would be amazing. I don't think it happens. It would be the ultimate it. troll. I, we we're not seeing Bunny Foo Foo again. I would be no. shocked. Jack yeah, would get booed off the stage. Like they yeah. can't do it. But Bunny is not playing again for the rest of the split. Do you think Bunny's still on Cloud Nine when Summer rolls around? Oh yeah, Are you unless sure? he gets unless he get unless they get paid a bunch of money to buy him out. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't keep him. I just think like when fans think about Bunny Fufu right now, like by putting him out so early, he was so tarnished as far as his reputation with this team. And you look at how much happier they are now that he's benched, and what that experience must be like, where he got all of the blame for a ton of things that, as we pointed out when we podcasted about him, were not all necessarily his so- fault. I know that scrims are different than playing on stage, but I have heard that they play better with him in the scrims. I'm not surprised. I think Bunny Fufu is a great player, but at some point, like, you know, we talk so much about how much the mental game of League of Legends yeah. matters. And at some point, when you know that everyone in your fan base wishes you weren't playing, that's kind of, that's going to sink in, right? That's, it's a hard environment to stay in for that long. They've got to, I think they have to do, some work on his confidence that they're going to have him be the final answer here. But uh, we've got two lines left. I am up by two, so you need to get both of these. And one of them I got almost exactly. Oh, my God. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. You, Jesus. We, t- we, we tied twice. It's not – I mean that's it's kind of how this goes, unfortunately. But uh, Liquid versus Renegades. I have Team Liquid at minus 225. Okay. You went too low, so I got this one and the week. Are you kidding me? <laughs> So I go to nine and two for the year. I said minus three hundred. It's minus three hundred three. What? Why is Renegades? Why would Renegades get any more credit than that? Renegades okay. aren't good. Whatever. They're a bad Whatever. team. Whatever. No, I I want to hear the counter argument. What are, What are you seeing in Renegades? I, I just think it's too high in general. I just think it's too high in general. How about this? Would you take Renegades at plus two twenty against Liquid? Probably not. Exactly. So it's, it's so the line is fine. That's the problem. It's there's no value for us, unfortunately. Last game of the week: Dignitas versus Impulse. Two teams that desperately need a win to prove that they are at the very least capable of of sneaking in as a playoff dark horse. Where do you think the line is? Impulse minus one fifty. Okay, you get this one. Woo! I said uh, I said minus one thirty. It's minus one forty nine. So you're almost exact there. Okay. Do we take Dignitas plus one fifteen? Like, what have we seen from Impulse that says that they, you know, that we should put them as a as a favorite as a general rule against against what most? What have we teams? seen from Dignitas to think that they're going to win this game? That's fair. 
You know me. Ever since that Rocket game, I ended up being correct on. I'm now in this hole. But oh if the my bad, lord! If two oh. teams are terrible, take the one that has the plus odds because why not? They're both terrible. Anything can happen. This, the odds here aren't high enough because it's Stigmatos plus one fifteen. I where where else do we want to look? <sighs> TSM, TSM even TSM against CLG. Yeah, that's even that's probably, odds. Yeah, that's probably a good one. Team Liquid against Cloud Nine. Plus 110? Yeah, they would go with the Saturday Curse, but then we're picking... The problem with that is we're picking Cloud9 to beat Immortals and lose to Liquid. I like, know. Is, is that a week that we can, that we can feasibly root for? I, could, I, I mean, I can root for it. Okay, screw I'm it. I'm down with it. We'll what, what's more likely? That Cloud9's going to go... Oh, yeah, because... Oh, sh- I, I mean, I think that's, those are our best chances. Yeah, I, here's the thing. You would hope that one of those goes our way. Like either yeah. Cloud9 goes 0-2 for the week or Cloud9 goes 2-0 for the week. If they go 1-1 one one in the opposite direction, then we lose. But if either one of those games comes through, then we make money because they're yeah. each plus value. So it's yeah. fine. We're going with yeah. it. Let's – uh, really quickly because this is going on a little bit longer than probably it needs to be. Well, we got to compare some of these – the outright winner prop bets. Mm-hmm. Because the lines are now back out. Unicorns released them for this week for, to celebrate the midseason, I suppose. And here we are. Walter, where do you think the line for Immortals is? It was plus 450 heading into the season. It, it's going to be probably better than the H2K one. So it's probably like plus 150. Plus it's, 200. It's plus even 200. odds. Even? Even odds. Oh, God. They're saying it is equally likely that Immortals win the split than anyone else does. That is wow. Can I just take the field? Is there a field option? Sadly, there's not. I thought about it. I really wish I could. Immortals isn't there yet, but in the playoffs, there will be a field. I'm sure there will be. But if they continue this level of dominance. I mean, the thing is, like, there isn't another team in North America that's better than 5 and 3, and they're 8 and 0, oh, and I can't remember the last game that was all that close. Okay. So I, so I get it. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I get it. But here's the f- fun thing, right? It means every other line is now more insane by comparison. So like CLG was plus 500 heading into the season. Now there's the second lowest line, but it's plus 550. Mm. Uh, TSM is plus 600. Cloud9 okay. is plus 600. Okay. NRG is plus 600. Okay. To compare, TSM was plus 200 at the beginning of the season. I get Cloud better odds now on TSM. Yeah, Ooh. much better odds. Much Ooh. better odds. If you went plus 200 at the beginning of the year, you're very mad at yourself. Even us, we took NRG at plus 500 at the beginning of the year. We thought that was a smart money line. Now it's plus 600. Should have waited. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> what, what's, this, what's the TL line? Liquid is plus 1,100. Uh, uh, down from plus 700 in the, in the early season. In the That line is very intriguing. Here's where it gets a little fun. Dignitas has actually, it's gotten down. It was plus 6,600. It's now just plus 4,000. Which is still ludicrous, but, you know, in play. Okay. Impulse went from plus 10,000 to plus 5,000 now. And here's where it gets rough. Uh, Renegades, they were plus 2,800. Where do you think the line is now? Uh, uh, plus fifteen thousand, plus twenty thousand. Oh my god! And Echo Fox was plus thirty three hundred, plus fifty thousand. 
I'm pretty sure they're almost like removed from playoff contention at this point. Well, here's the crazy thing. Echo Fox and Renegades are only three games out of the six seed. Oh, yeah. Three games. With ten games to play. That's... Yeah, hey, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen the Yankees blow bigger divisional leads, or the Red Sox actually were the ones that did that. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, Red Sox. That, that terrible. Not bring my Yankees into this. I mean, yeah, look, I, I I try not to remember when when the Red Sox do terrible things. I was hoping that there was one, but you're right. I was the Red Sox. Damn, that sucks. It's still, still, it's possible. It's it's in play. If you want that plus fifty thousand line, I don't. I think I'm okay. But that's a podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed all of our gambling lines and want to come back next week. If you do, you should definitely subscribe on iTunes at Rough Drafts on the podcast section there. If you want to leave a review, that really helps us out because of the way their algorithms work over there. Uh, you should also subscribe on SoundCloud.com slash Drafts if you want to listen to our podcast through SoundCloud. I have finally figured out how to enable the download button, which was very difficult for some reason with SoundCloud, but it's there now. So you can download episodes if you'd prefer to have it on your computer rather than just streaming them through SoundCloud. So there's even more versatility there that you guys will hopefully enjoy. I am at RedshirtKing on Twitter. If you guys want to follow me there, Walter, where can they find you and your work? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at SlingshotEsports.com. Come back next week. We're going to do a European pod. We're going to do our North American pod Wednesday and Friday, respectively, both of which, of course, can be found at unicorn.com slash community. Uh, we love using their lines. We love working with these guys. So go check it out there. I do little write-ups and everything with all of this. And we're going to try to get some interviews going next week. Now that I know what my visa situation is, hopefully we're going to be able to do a lot more for you guys on a week-to-week basis as far as interviews are concerned. But until next time, Goodbye, Internet.